I didn't think that I would have trouble writing this sermon for today, but I did. Around 4 p.m. on Friday, I felt led to change the beginning of the message today because of the current climate of our country. There's mass incarceration. There's places and spaces filled with either or thinking and no room for nuanced and respectful dialogue. And there's broken communities and families. There's environmental racism. There's abuse of power and positions and privilege and people. And then there are the current politicians and upcoming elections. Now don't get me wrong, we've always lived in a flawed world. But this morning I feel a sense of urgency due to the amount of hateful rhetoric in our debates. There's no talk of policy. There's no talk of better ways to care for others and whole communities. There's just a whole lot of talk about how to restrain and exclude those who look different. And a whole lot of talk about what to do with those who have no place and who have been displaced. And some red, such rhetoric may be harmless to some people but for others, such language is frightening, and it reminds them of times and spaces of the past that were not safe for those who were different. And these spaces still exist now. So what people of God? How do we walk in the way of justice and mercy in this time? Relevant Magazine put out an article a few years ago titled, When Justice and Mercy Meet. And the author, Robert Lupton, tells the story of how he was moved with compassion to help street kids in the inner city who did not have father figures or positive role models in their lives. And so Lupton left his successful job, and he uprooted his family and moved into the inner city to be a presence right in the community to mentor these young boys. However, as the boys grew into young men, they needed money to live, and so they resorted to easier ways of making money on the street to survive. And Lupton soon began to realize that his acts of mercy, and although his decision to build positive relationships and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with these young men was great, it wasn't enough to sustain them for when they got older. And Lupton wrote this quote in the article that he wrote. He wrote, mercy is a force that compels us to acts of, just, of compassion. But in time, mercy will collide with an ominous opposing force, injustice. Against this dark and overpowering force, acts of mercy can seem meager. What good is a sandwich and a cup of soup when a severe addiction has control of a man's life? Or a night in a shelter for a young woman who must sell her body to feed her child? Acts of justice without mercy are cold and remote. And at some point, they cause all of us to say, that my rights are more important than yours. 
Mercy without justice meets one's needs, but only in the short term. And it makes the one in need dependent on the person in power. Now the Israelites had their own thoughts on how to honor God and how to show justice and mercy. They had some really lofty ideas. How can I stand up before God and show proper respect to the high God? Should I bring an armload of offerings topped off with yearling calves? Would God be impressed with thousands of rams with buckets and barrels of olive oil? Would he be moved if I sacrificed my firstborn child, my precious baby, to cancel my sin? But God's standard was and is plain and simple, and the prophet Micah told the Israelites so. But God's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor, be compassionate and loyal in your love, and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. If we belong to God, then we are called to reflect God in our compassionately just actions toward our neighbor. The scholar and activist Cornel West says that justice is what love looks like in public. Justice and mercy together reflect the power and presence of a God who cares about each of us and the things that we're experiencing. A God whose love is so radical that it pursues us and won't let go. A God who demands that if we have been redeemed and saved by grace, then our only proper response is to set relationships right with ourselves and others. But church, in these times, we are tired. We're tired of seeing people of color gunned down. The Reverend Rodney Hudson, who's pastor of Ames Shalom United Methodist Church in Sandtown, Winchester, uh, area of Baltimore City, where the Baltimore uprisings took place last year, he posted a message on Facebook asking for prayer because as of the time that he had posted it, which was last Thursday or Friday, there have been 45 murders in Baltimore City in 70 days. We're tired of seeing young people take their own lives because they feel hopeless and lost. We're tired of seeing poor rural and urban communities ravaged by food insecurity, drug abuse, and violence. Pastors and community leaders and social workers and caregivers, police officers and justice advocates are tired. They are tired of burying folks due to violence. They're tired of caring for those who are victims of injustice. And they're tired of organizing to change unjust systems and seeing no changes. And then there are the victimizers and the oppressors. Church, if we're truly honest, we don't want these persons to have justice and mercy at all. We don't want to show mercy to someone who has wronged us so badly. We don't want to show mercy to the person who has oppressed someone else. We don't want to show mercy to the person who has harmed families and friends and loved ones and, yes, 
children. We want them to get justice. When I was growing up, my dad used to watch a lot of Charles Bronson films. And so in my mind, justice looked like that. <laughs> so with people who are victimizers and oppressors, we want them to get Charles Bronson justice, Captain America justice, Batman justice. You know, the kind of justice that hurts, the kind of justice that causes them to feel the same kind of pain and heartache that they inflicted on someone else. We want the kind of justice that gives us revenge. We want them to pay. But when we're the ones who have wronged someone or oppressed someone, we don't want to get justice. We want to be shown mercy. We want to be shown compassion and forgiveness. Yes, in our own flawed beings apart from God, justice and mercy will never meet. We'll either want justice without mercy for the person or people who have wronged us, or mercy without justice for ourselves when we've done wrong. The way of justice and mercy calls us as God's people to be present at the intersections of injustice and pain and hurt in the world just as Jesus did. The way of justice and mercy calls for us as God's people to give a person a drink of water and to also address the reasons why that person cannot get the drink of water themselves. The way of justice and mercy looks like Celestan Muzakura, a Rwandan man who lived through the Rwandan genocide in 1994, and he founded African Leadership and Reconciliation Ministries. And their mission is peace building and conflict resolution, forgiveness, human rights advocacy, trauma counseling, and justice initiatives. Celestan sums up justice and mercy when he says this. Justice without forgiveness sets up the process of more revenge. The desired result of forgiveness is that you will reconcile. So, church, how do we hold justice and mercy together in these times? How do we do what is fair and just to our neighbor and be compassionate and faithful in our love and take God seriously? It's really pretty simple. Seek relationship with God and others. I'm sure some of you were sitting here, we're expecting some fancy plan, right? You're expecting some 10-point plan for justice and mercy. But this isn't a new thing. Seeking constant relationship with God and with one another is the ancient way. It's the way of the God of Israel. It's the way of Jesus. Jesus walked among us and became immersed in our human condition and all of its pain, and all of its joy, and all of its messiness and heartache to save us because of God's great love for us. And then Jesus developed relationships with 12 ordinary people, walking with them, and mentoring them, and loving them, and loving others. It was not enough for Jesus to remain remote. 
Christ crawled into the intersections of the cross and into the trenches and into the mess of humanity to graciously love us to life, reconciling us to God. The world may be able to give us justice. The world may be able to give us mercy. But it is the way of Christ, the way of justice and mercy that says, I see what everyone is going through, and I see how everyone is suffering. How can I be compassionately just to everyone, heal broken relationships, and free all? A few years ago, I read a book titled Pursuing Justice, The Call to Live and Die for Bigger Things. And the author is Ken Witzma. And he's president of Kilns College and also the founder of the Justice Conference, which is an annual international conference where people gather to learn from other justice organizations and have conversations about biblical justice. And Witzma talks about followers of Christ seeking justice and mercy through seeking constant relationship with God and others. And like the prophet Micah, Witzma says that if we're followers of God and love God and are called to do justice, then our relationship with God needs to be mirrored in how we treat others. When I began serving in justice and mercy ministry at 21 years old, I thought there was one way to do justice and mercy. If you had asked me at 21 to draw a picture or to write a paragraph about what I thought justice and mercy ministry looked like, I might have said that it looks like an activist fighting on the front lines of a movement. Or justice and mercy looks like a policy advocate rewriting unjust governmental legislation. Or justice and mercy might be someone boycotting an unjust business. And in fact, all of these are examples of justice and mercy acts. All of these examples have transformed society and gained rights in some way for the marginalized and the oppressed. But there's no formula for walking in the way of justice and mercy. And we don't need to create another justice movement. There's a more transformative, reconciling movement that's been created for us. And it began as a movement the way of Christ, the way of justice and mercy, begins with seeking relationship with God and one another. I want to end this morning by reading an invitation to justice that Ken Witzma wrote. And the invitation that he wrote, it flowed from his own story of justice and also how he grew to truly learn and understand what justice and mercy ministry are all about. And so I invite you to close your eyes this morning. Don't go to sleep. <laughs> I invite you to close your eyes this morning while I read the invitation, and then we'll have a time of silence. And then I'll read the invitation again, and then I'll end in prayer. Justice is rooted in the character of God and flows from the heart of God. Justice is woven into the fabric of God's creation, part of the image of God in every person. 
Justice is commanded in God's scriptures and integral to the promise of the gospel. Justice is incarnated in the life of Jesus, inseparable from his words and deeds. Justice is highlighted in Jesus' concern for the poor and demonstrated in his death and resurrection. Justice is the early church sharing what they had, meeting the needs of others near and far. Justice is the saints building hospitals and caring for orphans instead of pursuing worldly wealth and self-interest. Justice is the abolitionists laboring to end transatlantic slavery, recognizing the God-given dignity and worth in each person. Justice is the legacy of those who fought for civil rights who began to dismantle systems of violence and exploitation. Justice is the worth and equality of people in every land. For we are all God's creation and God's children. Justice is God's grand design for creation, a hope for every person and child to flourish in God's kingdom. Justice is rooted in the character of God and flows from the heart of God. Justice is woven into the fabric of God's creation, part of the image of God in every person. Justice is commanded in God's scriptures and integral to the promise of the gospel. Justice is incarnated in the life of Jesus inseparable from his words and deeds. Justice is highlighted in Jesus' concern for the poor and demonstrated in his death and resurrection. Justice is the early church sharing what they had, meeting the needs of others near and far. Justice is the saints building hospitals and caring for orphans instead of pursuing worldly wealth and self-interest. Justice is the abolitionists laboring to end transatlantic slavery, recognizing the God-given dignity and worth in each person. Justice is the legacy of those who fought for civil rights, who began to dismantle systems of violence and exploitation. Justice is the worth and equality of people in every land. For we are all God's creation and God's children. Justice is God's grand design for creation. A hope for every person and child to flourish in God's kingdom. Gracious and eternal God, amidst a world of strife, and injustice, and suffering, and poverty. We give you thanks this morning that you loved us enough and loved all of creation enough 
to send your son Jesus, who is the way of justice and mercy, who crawled right into the intersections to heal and to save us all. God, we ask this morning that you would continue to pour out your great grace and love upon each of us, that we may continue to be bringers and messengers of your justice and mercy wherever you call us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.